the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died, and he was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was being tormented. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no end can cross from there to us. He said, Well then, Father, I beg you to send to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Lord tells us a story, a parable today, about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man is not named. The poor man is the only person who is named in all of Jesus' parables. His name is Lazarus, and it means, My God Helps. The rich man is feasting sumptuously every day and wearing purple and fine linen. This means he's not just comfortable, he's filthy rich. Not just enough to eat, but an overabundance and all of it gourmet. Not just clothing to wear, but status clothing, the clothing of the royal and the wealthy. By contrast, lying at the gate of the rich man's house is poor Lazarus, who is very hungry and very sick. He isn't covered with fine linen. He is covered with sores. He would have been thrilled to receive a few scraps that fell off the rich man's table. I love the next detail. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. Now, since the blessing of the animals is coming up next week, I wanted to give a little bit of attention to the dogs. So, how many of you are dog people? Yeah. You know the comfort and the love that you get from your dogs? Well, a few commentators say that at least poor Lazarus had this comfort. 
One even said that the enzymes in a dog's saliva are healing. Dog people, you can go with this interpretation. However, other less enlightened commentators said that dogs were considered unclean and being licked by them was another sign that poor Lazarus was an outcast. You decide. Well, then both men die. Everyone does, rich or poor. The formerly poor Lazarus is carried by the angels to be with Father Abraham where he is comforted. Life is good for Lazarus now. The formerly wealthy man goes to be tormented in Hades. It's hot there. As we read through Luke's gospel, we see over and over that Luke is tremendously concerned with the proper use of wealth. All his accounts of reversals of fortune, like lowly Mary becoming mother of the Messiah, Jesus saying that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The Beatitudes, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already been comforted. And the rich man and Lazarus today, and so forth. All of these highlight how much God cares about those who are poor and hurting, and what a great responsibility the wealthy have. Now, for our salvation, as Tricia mentioned in the children's service, we look to the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, and we believe in justification by grace, not by our works. But this parable has a great deal to say to us as people of faith in the here and now about riches and poverty. Back to the parable where the reversal of fortune has taken place with the rich man now in torment in Hades and Lazarus happily with Father Abraham. Surely now the rich man will have an awakening. He will repent, say he's sorry, say he understands that he has caused his own suffering. But no, he is still ever so self-important. He orders Abraham to send Lazarus to fetch some water for him. He continues to treat Lazarus like a non-entity, a servant. He has the gall to expect Lazarus to quench his thirst now when he did nothing to help Lazarus when he was hungry on his doorstep. Abraham says to the rich man, no child, it's not possible. You've already been comforted in your lifetime. And anyway, there's a huge divide that cannot be crossed between us. Well, then the rich man begs Abraham to send Lazarus to his brothers to warn them so they can avoid his fate. I like him a little better for that. But Abraham says no again. They've already had all the warnings they need in the teachings of Moses and the prophets. The problem isn't the message, it's the audience. They aren't listening. At first blush, this is a parable about rich and poor. But let's not simplify it into being rich is bad and being poor is good. As Augustine said many centuries ago, poor Lazarus, when he dies, goes to Father Abraham, who was a very wealthy man. 
Poverty itself certainly isn't praised here, nor is wealth itself condemned. One's use of wealth can be, is meant to be, a tremendous blessing to those around us and to the world. I see that here every day. And Paul, in our reading from 1 Timothy today, shed some light. He explains that the wealthy ones are not to set their hopes on riches, but on God who is the giver. He says, those who are rich now are to do good. They are to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. Pretty straightforward. Yet, clearly, wealth, money, our overabundance of stuff can be a spiritual danger. Let's look at the parable again. Where did the rich man go wrong? On one level, he let his good fortune blind him toward his religious obligation, clearly stated over and over again in the teachings of Moses and the prophets, to care for the poor. He flunked. Well, does the rich man have the excuse that he didn't know that Lazarus was there at his gate? No. He addressed Lazarus by name from Hades, so he had known who he was when he walked by him every day. He saw Lazarus there, but he didn't really see him, if you know what I mean. William Barclay chillingly described it this way. The rich man accepted Lazarus as part of the landscape and simply thought it perfectly natural and inevitable that Lazarus should lie in pain and hunger while he wallowed in luxury. He had a failure of vision, and he also had a failure of heart. He could look on the world's suffering and feel no grief or pity in his heart. He looked at a fellow man hungry and in pain, and did nothing about it, and he was fine with that. Well, there is much to ponder and talk about here. Let's consider this. One spiritual danger of wealth is that it can insulate us from those who are struggling and suffering. God does not call us to be insulated. So if we are so into the wealth and possessions we have acquired that we are not seeing our neighbor, if we use our stuff only to protect ourselves instead of seeing it as a means of blessing others, if we have so many nice things that we don't even appreciate them anyway, then maybe we have forgotten something crucially important, that we are blessed to be a blessing. Remember the last thing that Father Abraham said to the rich man? He said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. My friends, we have Moses and the prophets, and we know the one who rose from the dead. We gather here every week in his name, and we celebrate his victory over the grave and the forgiveness of sins. We are nourished by him as his family at his table. 
We are invited by him into abundant life, and he shows us the way. It is not about being insulated from others. It's about seeing those around us as people, as human beings, as fellow children of God. Oh, that we could reject the chasm that separates rich and poor and instead see one another as God's beloved children, deserving care and attention and fellowship. Abundant life comes when we live in Christian community, when we see those around us as gifts of God and experience the blessing of sharing what we have with others. There is a reason that generous people are happier than ungenerous ones, because God created us to be in relationship with those around us. It is when we embrace the people God has put in our path that we experience the fullness of life, the abundant life that God intends for us. So my friends, may the good Lord who loves us and calls us his own give us eyes to see beyond ourselves and form us into blessings. In the name of Jesus, amen.